This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast, the official podcast of RaidersBeat.com. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator, and you're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast Show. Get your ears on and get some of this. Yeah! Raider Nation, what's going on, guys? It's draft week. Finalize those mocks, clear your schedule, and buckle up, man, because Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are going to be wild. Chris, are you ready, dude? Let's go. Woo! I'm so <laughs> excited, man. It's draft time now. All the talking, all the nonsense, it's finally coming to an end, man. We get to see who's going to join the silver and black this year. It's going to be a heck of a year, man. Let's talk about it. Yeah. We only got about five days left from the time we're recording this. So, you know what? Let's quit wasting our time, Chris, and let's dive into these announcements so we can get this show rolling. Yes, sir. The off-season program is officially underway. Players came back to the building for the first time on Monday morning. Later that afternoon, we re-signed exclusive rights free agents, wide receiver Marcel Aitman, kicker Daniel Carlson, and offensive lineman Justin Murray. And then on Wednesday, the schedule was released. You want to talk about it for a second, Chris? Oh, yeah. Let's dive into it, bro. Well, let's see, man. First off, we open this thing up week one, which we're going to. Week one, Monday night football, the late Monday night game. Remember, there's a doubleheader. So this one's going to be at about 720 primetime versus the Broncos, man. You ready? I got one word to describe that game. W. W. Let's go. Then we go in back-to-back home games. We got week two against another division rival, the Chiefs. But then after that, Chris, we're going on a little bit of a traveling stretch. Week three is in Minnesota. Week four in Indianapolis. Week five is technically a home game, but it's going to be played in London versus the Bears. Then we got a bye week, week six. Then we continue on the road, week seven, to Green Bay. Then week eight in Houston. Finally, week week nine, we come home and we play Detroit. So how do you feel about that stretch, Chris? Wow, that is, I don't know if I've ever seen that. And I know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually have a similar stretch as well. Pretty intense, but man, I mean, it's so nice to start the year back-to-back in Oakland, but that is going to be a difficult uh, thing to handle. But, you know, it comes back to the whole thing. It's no excuses, right? And if yeah. we're a good football team, would like I think that we can be, we have the explosive offense that we should have and an improved defense, we should be able to be competitive and win anywhere. And you look at, you know, in 2016, we had a lot of 10 a.m. games, right? And we mm-hmm. were road warriors. I think we yeah. went like 6-2 and two on the road uh, in 2016. So 
you know, I, I don't think that it's uh, so bad that it's going to derail a season. It's not like I was thinking yeah. we're going to make the playoffs and now, oh, with that schedule, yeah. no way. It's yeah. completely ruined our season. No, it's going to the, the guys will probably feel, you know, toward the end of that uh, a, a little tired. But, you know, the 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 London game, Chicago's going to London, too. It's not going to be easy on them. We got a bye week after that. Exactly. And then, yeah, after that, the bye week, we go back to back on the road again. But then we got. You know, I think four of six at home after that stretch, or, or no, actually three in a row at home before yes. we go back on the road, right? Yeah, week so, nine we have Detroit and then the Los Angeles Chargers and then Cincinnati all back-to-back and all, to me, okay. winnable games. Yeah, that's a nice stretch there. And then we'll have the 10-day break after the Thursday nighter. So mm-hmm, that's like mm-hmm. a mini-buy in itself. And, yep. you know, I, I think that they're going to be able to get through it, man. And, and I think that this team, uh, you know, will, will overcome that. Yeah, and then week 12. We go back on the road. We're going to play New York against the Jets. Week 13, we're still on the road. To me, the biggest, uh, most worrisome game, as usual, as a Raider fan. Week 13 in Kansas City against the Chiefs. Is this the year we get the monkey off our back? You know, uh, to me, if, that, if, that, if we win that game, um, we're, we're a playoff team at that point, right? Well, I did predict the Raiders would make the playoffs next year, so... I guess that we means we the have Chiefs to win then. that game. <laughs> got to beat the Chiefs on the road then. That's what we're going to do. Know, they definitely got to take advantage of their home, of their home games in the division. And they got to win them in Oakland. But as far as you know, going into Kansas City, I'm so sick of losing there. I'm so sick of going to Arrowhead and getting beat down. You know, yeah. So it'd be nice if you know Gruden and Derek and the rest of the Silver and Black, man, they just go in there on a mission. And it's going to be tough. You know, Obviously, if the Mahomes is healthy, he's a really good young player. But uh, if we got it going, man, hopefully we can stay competitive and steal one in Kansas City. That would be the, you know, obviously I don't know how the season's going to go, but that would be the win of the year just off the simple fact that we could end that streak of losing in Arrowhead. Yeah, agreed. So then we go after that. We have two back-to-back home games and two back-to-back away games. Week 14 and 15, our last two home games are against Tennessee and against Jacksonville, two very tough defenses, both at home. That's how we're going to wrap up our regular season in the Coliseum. So, uh, you know, we're going to win them both. We're, we're going to win them both. both, man. And we need to, yes, you know, uh, that's going to prove that our offense is rolling, uh, to over- overcome teams like that. And then we end the season on the road. No, 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 no. The charger game is not on the road. That's a home <laughs> game. That's a little, right. that's a little smooth drive down to LA, you know, short flight. And, uh, I'll be there by the way, yeah. Southern California Raider nation, or anyone from Oakland or wherever coming out for that uh, game at StubHub in uh, in LA against the Chargers, I will be there. Kenny too. So uh, yeah, Kenny as well. Real talk with the King man. He'll be there, and hopefully we're going to be sitting pretty close to each other, so you guys can come say what's up, man. Yeah, and then we end the season in Denver against the Broncos. So we're going to open up against them and close against them. But yeah, I mean, you can you can try and dig out all the complaints. You know, I'll go ahead and rip them all out of the box. We talked about um, having that long stretch of away games. Uh, we've already probably heard that we have the the toughest opponent win percentage. That's based off of last year. Uh, we have the most travel miles as well of any team. And then what is it? We have a since it hasn't been since 2002. A team has never had seven away games at 10 o'clock. But which Chris did say we were a little bit of uh, road warriors in 2016. Derek Carr enjoyed playing in the morning. So uh, I'm all for it, man. The schedule looks bad. But if we're going to be a good team and you want us to compete, the schedule's not going to be against us. So 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. And look, I mean, the win percentage thing, that's going to happen when the Chiefs and Chargers go 12 and 4 the year before. And we got to play them twice. So you're yeah. playing four games against teams that were 12 and 4. So, yeah. That that that's going to be that way. I'm sure that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all that when it's all said and done next year that they didn't have the toughest win percentage. You know what I mean? Cuz uh, yeah. year to year football, man, and you know, I'm not I'm not taking in the bank that the Chargers and Chiefs are going to both be 12 and 4 again next year. So, uh, you know, I think that's a that looks really bad, but it might not be that bad. And then as far as the morning games, you hit the nail on the head, man. Kudos to you, Cody. Uh, we loved in 2016 playing in the morning. And and we came out and and won some some games on the East Coast uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time. So, no excuses, man. Uh, we have the talent this year around to go get wins, so let's do it. And then we had some more drama to end off our week, Chris. John Gruden and Mike Mayock sent all of their draft scouts home for the Easter break. But here's the trick, man. They're not going to be returning for the draft. Or what's been reported might not return ever, for that matter. So it sounds like they decided to roll with a group of guys uh, that have been gathering this info since last year's draft all the way up until this point, gathered everything they needed. And now they're cleaning house and they're probably going to be bringing in new scouts, their own guys, changing the entire program after this year. Mike Mayock probably has a plan in his head how he wants his scouting department to look. And uh, on top of that, there's been rumored to maybe be some moles in there, huh? Been some leaking going on. And, you know, we saw it a little bit last year, right? Yeah, you know, you're definitely right. I mean, Vic Tafer even tweeted about it recently that he took advantage of the fact that they had some leaks, some moles, and use that to kind of get some information out there, which props to him. Can't blame him for doing that. Uh, respect that. That's the name of the game. Uh, you look at, you know, Mike Mayock is, he's going to run a tight ship and he's yeah. not going to be down for that stuff. And his board and what the Raiders are going to do this year more than ever with all the high picks that they have, they can't give away their hand. And last year, everyone knew two days before that we were going to be drafting an offensive tackle. Yeah. And, you know, you could say it maybe sparked some attention to where they missed out on McGlinchey. You know, you could yeah. say that. Uh, so Mike Mayock wasn't going to allow that to happen. Um, and it was reported that, uh, you know, Mayock's the one who kicked all the scouts out. Now, apparently reported by NFL Network, uh, it will be just Mayock, Gruden, Trey Scott, Tom Delaney, and Dan Ventrell that will be the points of contact for them uh, in their draft war room. And no one else will be there to be fielding calls to represent the Oakland Raiders. So I don't know of anyone else that's going to be in there. So obviously he's keeping it close circle, a really intimate and, you know, no leaks getting out. And I respect that as a Raider fan. Yeah, heck yeah. I'm actually all on board for it, man. This is what we hired John Gruden to do. This is why we brought in Mike Mayock. Why, do, you know, there is no reason for us to need. 20 plus guys in there just these scouts that all they do is evaluate players we don't necessarily need them in there digging dropping every opinion in let the coach let Mayock get in there I trust those guys those are our dudes let them run the show those other guys I mean they're not even really I mean they're points of contact but they're really only for specific reasons right they're kind of like a lawyer and whatnot I mean it's not really right anything yeah, major yeah. so I totally agree and, and also if you're a scout what information could you have possibly not already divulged to Mike Mayock like yeah. what what information on draft night would you have that you shouldn't have already told him 
And if you've told him he's not the type of guy that's going to forget about it, he's going to have it notated probably in 16 different places, and he's going to know exactly everything about a certain prospect. And that's the benefit of having a guru like Mayock. So, man, I think he's going to hit it out of the park. And uh, I feel like he's going to, you know, hold John Gruden where he should be and let him, you know, <laughs> by the neck, <laughs> do a bunch of barking, but also hold him back at the same time. You know, so I think they, yeah. they complement each other really well, man. So I completely agree with you, Cody. Yeah. Forget the scouts, man. It's not their job to store it in their head. It's their job to write it down. Turn your folder in and go home. We're done. We don't need you no more. Get the leaks out of here. But Chris, let's stop talking about this petty drama. You know, forget the schedule, forget what's going on in the war room, but let's start talking about we're five days away from this draft. This is our last chance to talk about what's going to happen, man. Are you ready? Man, I'm so ready for this. I'm ready for the Raiders to improve their roster, man. They got a great opportunity, so let's let's try to figure out exactly what we think they're going to do, man. Cool. Chris? Let's take it from the top. We're sitting on the clock. Number four. If you could pick one player right there, who are you taking, man? In a fantasy land, Nick Bosa falls to four, and we take Nick Bosa. But in more of a realistic sense, I feel like there's a decent chance Quinn and Williams will be there. So I'm going to go with Quinn and Williams. Yeah, okay. To me, he's the second-best player in the draft, a complete dominant force on the interior of the, of the defensive line. And you know, I understand that the Raiders' biggest need right now is edge rusher, but... You just take the best player available. You take the most elite prospect that's still on the board, and Quinn Williams is that. He can rush the passer from the interior. He wreaks havoc. He's great against the run. He's an extremely hardworking player. Came from a program that was serious business, obviously, at Alabama. Uh, So he knows what it's like to be very disciplined. I would love to add him to the roster and pair him with Maurice Hurst and and P.J. Hall in the interior, man, kind of build a three-headed monster that I think can affect offenses for quite some time. Yeah, and it's funny. I've been seeing some articles pop up lately. Is Quinn Williams the best offensive player in this draft? Of course, I think that comes up after some controversy surrounding Nick Bosa, which all that controversy, I mean, if I was trying to you know, find a, a politician or someone running for office, maybe I'd be a little skeptical. But as a football player, Nick Bosa, yes, clear-cut. Uh, best prospect at four doubt it happens Quinn Williams yes all on board even if he's 70% of the player that like Aaron Donald is uh, still elite still possible pro bowl player Uh, but I'm going to round that out into a possible three top options I see three guys as the top three guys this year that is Nick Bosa Quinn Williams and Ed Oliver Um, Of course, some people are going to try and argue me up and down the board that we need Josh Allen more than we need Ed Oliver. But when you look at Ed Oliver and his versatility, it's through the roof. I mean, he's already proven just from the end of his college career to entering in now to the combine, going to the pros, doing his workouts, the way he's changed his body type. He looks like a completely different player that came out of college and get him in a program that knows how to play him. You're going to be surprised. He's not going to be lined up as a nose tackle in the NFL. He's not going to be in there trying to, you know, stuff the run at, you know, being what, 280 pounds, whatever he weighs now. It's just Man, not going to work. what were they doing? What were they it, doing putting him at nose? It's, I mean, you have a player like that, in my opinion, you, you alter the system and the scheme to allow him to be dominant because he yes. was clearly the best player on their defense. So I don't know what Houston was doing really. Obviously, I'm not a, I'm not a, a coach. You know, I don't. I'm not a defensive coordinator of a college football team like Houston, but I'm not sure how that happened. But nonetheless, he's a very versatile guy along the line, like you said. And I feel like even though the Raiders have an extreme need at end to rush the passer, 
I wouldn't draft Oliver and play him there significantly. I think he's born to be a three-tech defensive tackle yep. uh, that can be, you know, obviously a lot of people use, uh, you know, Aaron Donald as a comp. We had uh, Malik last week use what I think a little bit more realistic was a John Randall as a comp. Yep. Um, we hope that he reaches ceilings like that. But he has the physical traits, the explosiveness, and the you know what seems to be the ability to kind of get in that realm. So I'd play him uh, where he would be dominant. And I completely agree. I think when you look at the three blue chippers, right? Nick Bosa, Quinn Williams, Ed Oliver. One yep. of those guys, if Kyler Murray goes one, one of those guys is going to be available at yeah. four. So we have to feel like we're going to get a big W no matter what. And I do to. like Josh Allen, man. I feel like he's the fourth best player in the draft. But to me, there's a little bit of a drop off after the top three that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Josh Allen's kind of one of those guys that has a little bit maybe higher upside for the for the position that we're looking at. Even look at a guy like Khalil Mack, how he came out real lightweight outside linebacker. Uh, a 3-4 pass rusher is how we saw him, but uh, he really developed, got big. And uh, but I mean, there's not always going to be that Khalil Mack in the draft. So just because that's how you think Josh Allen might turn into doesn't mean that's exactly what he's going to be. But uh, just like you said, we're looking at those three blue chippers. But now let's pretend that the Raiders don't have one of those three guys in mind. Maybe for whatever reason that they don't like Ed Oliver. Maybe they don't think Josh Allen's quite that guy. Outside of that, is there a top ten player, Chris? That I mean, come on, man, we're the Raiders. Uh, a reach is going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen at four, but a reach is going to happen. But if it happens at four, who's a top 10 player that you like in that area that you, if we walked away, you wouldn't be extremely frustrated with? Uh, I mean, I'd be a little frustrated, but I feel like Brian Burns is a guy that I would get it. I mean, he's a for sure can play with his hand in the dirt in a four, three, yeah. Maybe they question Josh Allen in that. I mean, I would definitely take Josh Allen over Brian Burns, but <laughs> maybe they may, maybe they don't feel that way, and maybe they want to go with the surefire, you know, uh, edge rusher that will 100%, you know, work well in their scheme, and they go with a guy like Brian Burns. Um, to me, he's the third best pass rusher in the draft. So it would be a situation where I, I wouldn't be like, man, we got a terrible player at four, but I'd definitely be a little underwhelmed. Um, and then the one that I think that that scares me the most would be Rashawn Gary. And oh, we've gone dude. over that. So oh. I hate to even mention that, man. But, you man. know, it's it's one that he has all the traits, all the physical tools that you think to translate into a, a terror on, on the defensive side, man, uh, coming along the edge or even playing ah. some inside. But. He just the production wasn't there, so I wouldn't take him at four. Even any anywhere in the top ten, I wouldn't personally. What about you, man? Nah, I feel the same way. I mean, Rashawn Gary's one of those guys. Definitely not at four. Even if in a trade back scenario, we better trade back. I mean, at least outside of the top fifteen before we even think about taking like a Rashawn Gary. And even at that point, then you're looking at a guy. You see a lot of mock drafts where uh, Brian Burns slips a lot. Um, I don't necessarily see that happening, but for me. Um, I'm going to stick with my first draft prospect that we ever talked about on this podcast in the offseason. I'm going to go ahead and say if we pulled the trigger on Devin White, I am not, I don't even think, I mean, I wouldn't even be a little bit upset. I mean, I understand it's a little bit of a gross pick 
But for the most part, man, to go in this draft and get the best sideline to sideline middle linebacker, solidify that thing, man. I mean, what's the what are we waiting for? Are we going to wait for another Rolando McLean to come across? No, we're going to get a Devin White. And you got to look at this guy as, yes, he's played linebacker for what, only a little over two years, right? He's had two years and a couple off seasons. Uh, for me, man, Devin White. That's the dude. Get this guy in a legit system. Let him keep developing as a middle linebacker. Get him the right coaching. This guy could be elite. Tell you what, man. Uh, I I love your point with with Devin White. If I was to guess though, what Devin linebacker we would get of the two, I think Devin White's going five to Tampa. So I think if we were to trade back, I think Devin Bush yeah might come into play. Yeah, I feel like. He's pretty close there with Devin White. I'd rank Devin White as the linebacker one, but man, if we happen to move back to thirteen, yeah, or you know something along that range, I think Devin Bush has to be part of the conversation. Oh yeah, because oh yeah, I mean he's a heck of a football player that would be a you know for the middle of our defense could change it for years to come, and and then the value makes sense there. So. uh if you want to talk about linebacker Devins, I think we might have a little better chance of getting Devin Bush, man, than Devin White. But well, what do you think about that? I wouldn't fight that whatsoever. Um, whenever we talked about linebackers, um, I pretty much kind of had a big three. Devin White was my dude. Devin Bush was the next, which I thought at that point, he wasn't even really a prospect necessarily in the first round. If you remember this, Mac Wilson hadn't even committed uh, to the NFL draft yet. So right. him right. sliding in there, I think all of a sudden, I mean, and really, I mean, all three of these guys, man, they're measurables. Uh, kind of just went through the roof. I mean, I think this could be the three best. I mean, we've probably never had three linebackers like this come out in the same draft. Um, and and Devin Bush sliding in there with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, being kind of uh, named as the, as the small guy that maybe can't get the job done like some of them bigger middle linebackers. Um, I think he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. If we trade back somewhere in the middle of the first round and he's still on the board, uh, there's some extreme value. And on top of that, I mean, I know everyone's going to sit here in, in my one. No one's going to be able to fight me on what type of athlete or how good these guys are at middle linebacker. But what you will fight me on is, but we need a pass rusher. I don't care. We have three more picks coming up, and there is plenty, I think, of pass rush ability there somewhere. I mean, whether it's Farrell falling, I doubt Burns falls. Uh, but you see guys like Jalen Ferguson. Uh, you know what, Chris? Before I start naming off too many guys, let's just go ahead. We'll go ahead and skip to those picks. We'll talk. Yeah, we were going to talk about that anyway. So that you're kind of <laughs> queuing us up. Perfect, man. Keep it going. I don't. I don't want to talk too much about it. But let's get into now. Um, no matter what, I mean, we're both on the same page. We're looking at best player available, but obviously we have some needs that we're going to target more than others. Um, so when we start talking about these three picks, we're on the clock, most likely at 24, 27, and 35, barring any trades. With those three picks, who are some guys that maybe you're looking for to fall, just like I kind of already uh, blurted out, Clell and Farrell? Um, what's a guy that maybe you're looking to fall to us at 24? I'm going to throw three guys out there. I'm going to throw, throw you for a loop. You already mentioned uh, Clell and Farrell. Uh, you know, obviously, that would be a, a, a great uh, pick at 24. For, or some interior offensive linemen, Cody Ford, Garrett Bradbury. If they were to fall there to 24, I think those are home runs as value-wise. Uh, you know, I think Ford and Bradbury are two of the best interior offensive linemen available in the draft, and the Raiders have a huge need. And I think, I think their goal is to address that at 27 or 35, but if those dudes fall to 24, I think it makes their decision pretty easy, yeah. in my opinion. 
Um, but I don't think that they will be there in all honesty. I think of the three, the one that has the most likelihood of falling to 24 would be the one you mentioned, which was Flarell coming out, uh, blah, blah, which was Farrell coming off the edge. Uh, you know, obviously we saw him in the bowl game thrash Jonah Williams in the last three quarters of that game. So yeah. that'd be nice to see him in the silver and black, man. Yeah, that's interesting too. When you talk about Clellan Farrell, for some reason, how much, why is he falling so far in everybody's predictions? At some point, you know, when it's kind of why I've always called the NFL a, a short-term memory business because whenever big things happen, all of a sudden, you know, everybody's, you know, the hot item. Uh, but once the memory fades a little bit, then you start to remember everything else in their past history. So Clellan Farrell, after that championship game, was almost a top 10 pick. I mean, there was mocks in January, February of him being a Raider at number four. Right. Um, You're right about that, bro. You are. But what did Malik say last week, though? He said that uh, Farrell didn't do some of the testing that was requested. Yeah. yeah. He skipped out on some of that. So that's why his, you know, these scouts, man, and these GMs, they value doing everything at the combine. And when yeah. you don't, it makes them, you know, they're looking for any reason to like not pick you, you Intangibles, know, yeah, and because yeah. They have, yeah, there's a bunch of other dudes that are right there when you're like Clellan Farrell. So you're going to fall behind in that chunk of players yeah. that you're kind of with, you know, if you don't do those and they all do them and excel at them. So I think yeah. Malik hit the nail on the head last week, man. Yeah, and if you remember when we were talking about corners even, we had a kind of a debate of Greedy Williams and Byron Murphy, and that's kind of what pushed me over the edge onto your side because Greedy was also kind of falling in that category, uh, kind of pulling cramps, didn't have great workouts, didn't even finish the combine. One of those things, and I seen Byron Murphy go out there and work his tail off, and uh, that's kind of got me over the hump. That's kind of the one uh, position, at least for sure, that I watched where stuff like that actually came into play. So Clayton Farrell falling to 24, great value. I mean – take them, pull the trigger. But uh, besides that, Chris, the popular opinion of Raider Nation, one of the positions that you see in almost every single one of our mocks, if the player is there, is a tight end. Who's your favorite tight end right there, Chris, and why? At, at, uh, at 24? Is at that 24. what you're asking? Yeah, I'm going to go Noah Fant because I think Hawkinson is going to be long gone. Yep. I think Noah, Noah Fant is an explosive athlete, and I think that you know, everyone was pretty sad that Jared Cook uh, left in free agency. And I think yeah. in Noah Fant, you're getting a dude that's pretty close to Jared Cook. I mean, he kind of mm-hmm. honestly, I, you watch the film on him and it, there was some of the times where he reminded me of Jared Cook, the way he yeah. caught the ball and turned up field. Uh, but he's definitely a, a guy who can win those uh, the t- contested catches. He's a catch and run guy. Uh, you know, he can get vertical. And he'll add another element to that passing game that's now kind of missing. As much as I like Derek Carriers, as much as I want to look at, you know, Waller and say, man, let's try to get him to turn into everything that we would like him to be, you know. Uh, but I think you, you take a guy like Fant, you set yourself up to have a playmate. You set yourself up to have a playmaker at the tight end position for years to come. And you just get a young version of Jared Cook. And actually, I kind of looked up Jared Cook's combine, his sizing. Uh, they both ran a four five. Uh, the mm. only difference really is is the Jared Cook's agility in his hands were a little. The agility was a little better, and Jared Cook's hands were a little bigger. But other than that, I think Fant's pretty close and and could be a really nice pick there at number twenty four. 
Yeah, and for Noah Fant, depends on what you're looking for, Raider Nation. There's there's a there's a group of us that believes that we can kind of get maybe with a like a tight end by committee. Uh, but for the most part, they're not going to go out there in the same position as Jared Cook. You're not going to see uh, Darren Waller go out there and, and play a Jared Cook. You're not going to see any. You're going to see Lee, Lee Smith go out there and do the same thing that he's always done. But I like that Noah Fant is very comparable to Jared Cook, and the few routes that I've seen him run, I mean. Dude, there was a seam route that I watched him run and catch the ball, and it was almost a clone of Jared Cook. I mean, the, the exact same style catch and run has that same handsy uh, bit about him, real strong, real muscly. I, he just he's ready to hit people, run them over. Um, I like him as an offensive weapon for us, as a replacement of a Jared Cook. Dude, I totally agree. There was one that he literally dragged the dude like 30 yards on his back. <laughs> yes. And he has that attitude. You know, we saw Jared Cook display that attitude this In year. In the Chargers? Oh. Yeah, I know that. Man, I love that about Jared Cook. Jared Cook's a dog, and I think Fanton is a dog. So uh, I know Gruden will like that. And there's definitely options later on in the draft to get you know tight ends. But let's not joke around here. The, there's a decent drop-off there. Fant is an NFL-ready Per, that will likely be productive from day one tight end uh, in this offense. So, hey, man, I'm all for it. Cool. Now, coming off the 24 pick, we're going to look at both 27 and 35 a little bit together because I think that's kind of where things get a little hazy. Um, where of course, we're looking for maybe that big shot player to fall to us at 24. But at 27 and 35, who are some guys that you have in mind or that you might have your eye on? Honestly, I would say you look at wide receiver, you know, I, I think that that can't not be talked about. Uh, I think there's been a lot of kind of, uh, you know, rumors going around about the Raiders really liking Hollywood Brown. We've talked about him maybe not being the best wide receiver that will be available late first round. But I think that he will be uh, probably the best fit, at least yeah. in the short term, to go along with Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams. So I think Hollywood Brown's a guy that I would mention in that. I'm going to go interior offensive line, though. I think that, Always, yeah. uh, you know, a, a guy like Dalton Risner, yeah, a guy like that, um, you know, another dude named Lindstrom, right? He's yeah. a really good option there mm-hmm. at 27 or, or more in particular, 35. And I also think that that range there is kind of where a safety might come into play. Yeah. Uh, Nazir Adderley uh, out of Delaware, uh, Darnell Savage. I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, not only does he have a great name, man, Savage can play too. So, uh, you know, and I got to give a shout out to Vic Tafer. He's mentioned Darnell Savage on multiple occasions uh, being linked to the Oakland Raiders. So I think interior offensive line and safety and then maybe wide receiver in that late uh, one, early two range are, are kind of the names that and in positions more like uh, that I'll be uh, keeping my eye on. Yeah. And this is why I talk about there's so much value in these picks because we've talked about this before, Chris, I see like a dozen guys and I would love to pick any one of these players in that position. They've all been mocked and pretty much projected to go in this range. So we pretty much have a recipe for success no matter what, you know, I see guys like even like Jalen Ferguson, you know, defensive end, Louisiana tech. He's been talked about quite a bit. He's going to be available. You're going to see guys like, uh, you know, we've talked about our, our two big guys, uh, Murphy and greedy enough, but then a guy like Deandre Baker is going to be in that area rocky sin is going to be in that area um you're going to see a guy even like dexter lawrence i mean clellan farrell of course was you know the big name coming out of clemson because of the championship game but then you see a guy like dexter lawrence maybe we do go edge rusher at the beginning maybe we do get a guy like josh allen and maybe we do pick up a wide receiver or a tight end 
And then at the end of 27 and 35, maybe we want to get another defensive tackle like Dexter Lawrence to go in there and uh, really solidify that defensive line. Or we go speed. I love that you brought up already Hollywood Brown. I can't talk enough about my guy for fit. Um, but watching enough Michigan games, I see guys like like a name like Paris Campbell. Maybe we pull the trigger on him at 35, man. I love Paris Campbell. He brings some speed to our offense. Send that guy on some motions, man. Let him zip around the offense, you know, get the ball moving. I mean, honestly, the way you look at it, that's kind of what we need to develop our team into. Um, just get the defense moving around. They don't know which direction we're going to go, and Paris Campbell is a perfect fit for something like that. Um, but for me, my guy that I'm going to look at at 35, I'm not going to call him a reach, um, but the name I'm going to watch, no doubt, is Chase Winovich. No matter who we take with those picks, whether we already get a defensive end or not, Chase Winovich is a guy. I mean, no matter what, uh, Arden Key does not shy us away from drafting another defensive end uh, or pairing two defensive ends in the first 35 picks out of this draft. So, uh, you know, bring my uh, bring my Clay Matthews on steroids out, line him on the on the defensive end. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, he's a, he's a Gruden grinder. He has Gruden grinder written all over him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, man. Pull the trigger on Chase Winovich at 35. Dude, that would be a win for you because you talked about Clay Matthews in free agency <laughs> and you were sad when he signed with the Rams. So this could yeah. be that that thing that could kind of take care of that for you, man. Kind of <laughs> You could check that box, the the free flowing hair. You know, we can kind of get a souped up James Cowser, so yeah. to speak. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I'm telling you, man. I, I already developed uh, James Cowser. Let's do it, man. I'm all for it. But Chris, I want to ask you, there's one more guy in this range that has some question marks around him. Um, mainly on his health and, and what's going to come out um, of this recent injury that he had. But I'm looking at Jeffrey Simmons, um, very versatile defensive lineman, who is, of course, with injuries like this that happened so soon, he got you know injured at the combine. So for something like that to happen, uh, you can't really put a timetable on it, on his recovery. Of course, it's going to take you know a couple big steps before somebody can see how it's progressing and how it's healing. But Jeffrey Simmons is no doubt a huge talent coming out. Um, and I would, in my mind, if I'm picking him, I'm just going to go ahead and wash out his rookie season just in case if he doesn't play at all or if he only plays half of it, how much do you get out of him? How much do you expect out of him? Um, if he's not starting the season with us, I'm basically not counting him in whatsoever. But it, taking him at 35, Chris, what do you think? I, I mean, I have... Simmons is a top 20 player and um, that's assuming that he's good to go. Obviously, you know, you look at him, you look at a guy like Montez Sweat, who's having some of the issues going on with his heart, similar. Those guys start falling down, you know, far enough. It's worth it to take them. And I think if Montez Sweat or Simmons, if they drop to 27 or 35, you have to kind of change your game plan and say, man, the value is too good to pass up. As long as they're medically confident, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously it's a little bit different with sweat and the heart situation. It's a little bit more of a, you know, uh, less common, more sensitive thing uh, than, uh, you know, obviously Simmons with his his knee and everything. I, I, I really hope he will, will be ready for training camp, ready for the regular season. I'm not sure exactly where Simmons will be as far as when he can go full, uh, you know, uh, full pads, full go. But both of those guys are extremely talented and should be top 20 players. So if they drop far enough, you have to be interested and in, in take an extreme value if you're competent medically. Yeah, I'm telling you, Chris, there's so many options here. 
Um, it's almost, I mean, this is why I'm so excited for Thursday or at at this point, uh, Thursday and Friday, because really there are so many prospects in this range that we can pull the trigger on. I'm excited to see who we roll with because then we can finally really dive into these guys and see what they're about. Um, you know, number four, I think there's, there's more controversy at number four than there is at 24 to 35, but let's pretend, um, that, you know, we're just gonna, for now, we're going to pretend that we're picking at all the Raiders picks. So after we go at 35, you know, we select our guys. Um, we're going to be sitting there. We're going we're gonna to be done for day two. We're going to sit through the rest of the second round. We're going to sit through the rest of the third round, um, which I don't see as a, as a permanent option. But now we're going to open up day three. Um, are there any certain prospects that maybe catch your eye? Of course, we just talked about this. Uh, there, there's more prospects coming out on day three than there is day one and two, so it's impossible to cover them all. But who are some of your favorites? Uh, for no specific reason, but who are you watching so I can keep my eye on them too? Well, I think I've made it pretty known that I like Ryan Finley out of NC State quarterback. I've so never heard of him. You've talked about uh, him before? Yeah, yeah, just a couple <laughs> of times. But uh, I'll just quickly move on from that. Had to throw him in there. Um, I'm looking at Washington running back Miles Gaskin. He's a smaller back, but he has a great feel for developing holes. He's not like super overwhelming with his jukes and his cuts. He's not super shifty, but... Uh, you know, he's uh, he's a guy that knows how to get yards, man. He has a nose for yards. Uh, he is a smaller back. Um, I feel like he's at the next level can be a utilized more in the receiving portion, but he can definitely run in between the tackles as well. I'm not sure he's a guy that can come in and do 20 carries, mm-hmm. but I feel like he can be a nice rotational back with nice, yeah. you know, value. Get him in open space. He can be a little dangerous there. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, maybe round five is kind of my comfort zone with him. Uh, you know, Kentucky running back Benny Snell. He's a guy, Ooh. you know, maybe a little bit after that. Sixth, seventh round, man. I mean, he's he's a dude that I think Gruden would really like. He's a tough yeah. runner uh, in between the tackles. Uh, you know, um, and then wide receiver Wake Forest, Greg Dorch. I had that in my yeah. mock draft. You know, I feel like yeah. sixth, seventh round. Uh, he's a little little slot receiver with nice hands. I feel like if the Patriots get him, he'll probably have like 400 catches next year. But uh, <laughs> hopefully the Raiders can snatch him at pretty good value. Um, and then, Kicker you know, too, right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. And, you know, offensive line-wise, uh, Northern Illinois offensive tackle Max Sharpering. If you guys want to go tight end day three, San Jose State, right? He's a, he's okay. a local dude, okay? Tight end Josh Oliver. The guy that okay. has the athleticism, a little bit raw with the route running. And I'll finish it off with another dude that I mocked, Washington linebacker Ben Burkirvin. Yeah. I think that he is a good football player. And he's not going to go in the first round or the second round because he's not super fast. He's not super big, but he's smart. And he has a, you know, a dude that can quarterback your defense, get everyone lined up. He has a, you know, a, a nose for the football, figuring out what an offense is trying to do. And I feel like not only would Gunther like him in that value, but I feel like Rich Bisaccia would like Ooh. him. You have to understand, day three is not yeah. all about just starting players defensively. It's more like you're looking They're for special, special teams contributors yeah. too. So yeah. cheap, cost-controlled for four-year, you know, non-veteran, you know what I mean? I like uh, it. So I think that would be a nice option there. So that's my slew of guys. Sorry for going on and on, but I uh, had to fit all those dudes in. I like when you go on and on, Chris, but I'm going to tell you one thing. There's one one selection that I don't like uh, of yours, and that's because whenever I look at day three, um, a lot of these guys are crapshoot 
But being a Fresno State fan, I see rivals, and I'm like, no, 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 X out, X out, <laughs> San, Jose, San Jose State tight end, I gone. knew you would like Josh Oliver because of that, man. <laughs> That's it. I'm like, nope, sorry. I don't care how good of the value is. I'm t- I am I can't watch a player like that uh, You know, beat up my, my Bulldogs and then come play for the Raiders. I mean, hey, whatever. It is what it is. But I'll tell you what, whenever I'm looking at day three, um, I don't know if I've talked about him yet on the podcast, but um, I like that wide receiver actually from Fresno State, Keyshawn Johnson. Have I brought him up? Yeah, I don't think I've talked about him much. No, you haven't talked about <laughs> him at all. So go ahead. <laughs> Should man. I just go ahead and start from the top? <laughs> no, but uh, Keyshawn, of course, uh, pin him as if you're going to watch one prospect for Cody in day three, if he even makes it to day three at this point, is going to be Keyshawn Johnson. Um, which for the best, I'd rather him just be picked in the third because that's where his value should be, but it's all right. I mean, everyone wants to knock him for his speed is what it is, but I'm of course going to step it down to the next guy. Uh, Former Heisman finalist, Bryce Love, running back out of Stanford, very electric, and he's obviously making some huge progressions in his his recovery. Um, Wearing a knee brace, doing a lot of workouts, getting that quickness back. Um, He's ready to go, man. He's not going to miss a beat on the season. Of course, he was injured at the very end of last season. But I think he's ready, man. He's going to go into training camp and, uh, I mean, be pushing reps. He's going to be pushing 100% by the time preseason comes around, and I'm ready for it. Bryce Love, if he's there, I'm all for it. But then you even see uh, guys like, whenever I look at day three, uh, what I'm more looking at is positions that could just use a little bit of depth. And, of course, I like how you brought up some of the linebackers um, because they're going to kind of be flipped for the most part, maybe as special teamers, maybe as a safety also. So I'm looking at guys like TJ Edwards. I loved watching him out of Wisconsin. Um, but a guy even like Jalen Hurd, another wide receiver to go in there and compete nice, for that wide nice. receiver four or five spot if he gets even that far. Um, those are guys that I'm just going to have my eye on in that area. Um, but for the most part, um, then you see guys even like Derek Beatty and Amani Hooker. Um, both defensive backs that can just help solidify that area if we do not pick one early on. Um, Like I said, I mean, some of these could be reaches. Hopefully the value is seen. Um, I'm no professional. Hopefully the professionals see some of the talent in these guys and maybe they go a little bit earlier than I even want them to. Um, But if they're there day three, when we open it up in the fourth round, those are all guys that I'll have my eye on. Man, dude, I'll tell you what. As much as I like Ryan Finley as a fourth-round pick, if – if Hooker is available in the fourth round still and the Raiders are picking and they haven't already taken a safety, man, scrap Ryan Finley. Just get Hooker because that would Dude, be incredible value for him, man. I mean, there there's is a, a slew. That's the thing, though. You're probably onto something because there's, there's a, lot a of slew. I, I'm saying slew. I think that's the third time I've said that this podcast, so I'm just going to keep slew. going with it. There's a bunch. How about that? <laughs> a bunch of really good safeties that are pretty close rated and – one or two of those guys might just slip to the fourth round, so you might be onto something, Cody. That's kind of where I'm getting with some of these, man. It is loaded with defensive backs. So if one of these guys slips through the cracks for whatever reason, bam, hop on it, call in the pick from my end because I'm all on board. Bam, send it in. I'll tell you, Chris, we just kind of ran through um, very quickly. It only took us 30 minutes, really to run through the entire draft (laughs) but um that's if everything goes as planned that's if the Raiders pick their eight picks that they're set up to pick but I do not think that we go home with eight picks me off the top of my head I'm not going to tell you how or with what 
but I think we go home with 10 plus picks. Um, that's without, you know, I'm not counting undrafted free agents. Of course, you know, we're going to get up in the, you know, 15 plus range, whatever, almost 20 players sometimes, whatever some of these teams do. But, um, I say we lit, we leave, I'm going to put a number on it. I say 11 draft picks. I say that's how many actual draft picks we go home with because we have, I mean, dude, we have, we have the stock, dude. It's there. Uh, Mike Mayock's voice that he likes 20 to 60, sometimes even more than the top 10. Those are strong words. And you can't always, I mean, it's lying season. You never know. Maybe he's just trying to bait some uh, trade candidates is what it is. But Chris, um, if you're to guess one specific trade scenario, uh, where do you think we're looking? Honestly, man, uh, in in terms of trade back, I, I see the 27th pick in the first round being a, and I did this in the mock draft that we, you know, put on Twitter uh, from the Raider Cody podcast page. I think the 27th pick using that and getting a couple of mid to late second round picks, you know, in my example, I traded the 27th pick and the 140th pick to Houston for 54 and 55. I like that. And in that that mock, I took home Miles Sanders and Andy Isabella. I felt like, I walked away from that like, man, this GM thing isn't so difficult after all. <laughs> no, I just felt like that that is kind of a money spot um, for running backs. And if we don't get a wide receiver earlier, still will be a money spot for some of those pretty electric wide receivers that are a little closer to the top of the pack than people give them credit for, a guy like Andy Isabella. So uh, I, I think that is a trade option. And then if you're talking about trading – um up i think that they could maybe take some of their later picks and move back into the third round if maybe they didn't do a move in the top 35 and then it's the third round maybe they get a little desperate maybe they pry a pick from next year and pull it to try to move up and then there's always the option of moving up for nick bosa and i know that Mm -hmm. you know that's not a super popular thing among raider nation but i think it's a, a a little bit more of a possibility than and people uh, realize and I think yeah. you know anytime you can get the best player in the draft at the biggest position of need I think you have to consider it yeah I agree and I like that you brought up your first trade scenario trading back more into the second round because everybody sees oh we got three first rounders okay we got a second rounder we got a fourth rounder oh crap we don't have a third rounder we need to trade back into third round we don't need to trade back into the third round but there's going to be value there in that zone from what is it, 35 to 107 or something? I forget what exactly the what the pick is right there in the in the fourth 106, round. 106, I believe. Yeah. 106. Okay. So I don't care if it's a third round or trade back more into the second. Get that same almost close, same value, but just get a little bit higher up there, man. I like that 54, 55 range. And that's where Mike Mayock is already reported to like. Uh, so I'm all on board with a trade like that. But me personally, um, I'm going to go just a little bit off the rails. Uh, Chris, I see your trade being a little bit more realistic since we have a cluster of picks in that area. Um, maybe we do see some value in trading one of those away for some more. Um, but fans have brought up a lot of the possibility of trading the number four pick. Um, but when you're looking into a trade back scenario for number four, um, there's a few teams I'm going to be looking at, maybe like a Cincinnati, a Miami, a Washington, maybe even as far back as Tennessee. Um, but whenever you're going to land one of their picks, of course, you're going to land one of their first rounders. And that's going to be somewhere in the range of number 10 to number 20. And then, of course, you're still going to grab most likely. I mean, I wouldn't trade back unless I was getting their second rounder, which is going to be somewhere between number 40 and number 50. 
And then I would say, if the value is right, if we're going to make this trade, we're also going to get a third rounder. Um, and that third rounder um, would be great. So if we if we were able to trade back somewhere, you know, of course, top 20, hopefully top 15, grab that mid second and grab that third, maybe even, I mean, you never know what you land. You never know where the leverage is. Yeah. Maybe you yeah. grab a pick next year. That's another second round or something wild. You never know what kind of player they're going for. You never know what kind of leverage we can get. I can look at trade charts all day long. They don't look at that. I mean, they, they, they might base something in that range, um, but they're saying basically you want this player this is what you're going to have to give up. I mean, it's, it's not going to be something as simple as that. So For sure, um, for sure. There's definitely a negotiating prowess in that and then how desperate the team is to get the deal done. So you're right. It's not as cut and dry as what the chart says. But on top of just trading picks for picks, Chris, there's been a little rumor floating around that Frank Clark could be available. Let's say, you know, of course, the latest rumor is that the Seahawks need at least a first rounder, which to me is deja vu. Didn't we just hear that with Antonio Brown in December, right? Sure that, did, man. Sure did. That could fall. I don't necessarily see Frank Clark dyeing his mustache blonde and uh, forcing his way out of Seattle. But how do you feel uh, about trading Frank Clark and what do you think it would take? Well, I, you know, and you bring up the AB situation, you know, Frank Clark. There, there's not the factor of AB doesn't want to play with the Steelers anymore. There's not that going on with Frank Clark. So that won't drive down the value. <laughs> but I do think the Raiders should inquire on trading for Frank Clark. And I don't think you should be afraid to be aggressive to go get a really good football player. Great. You know, Frank Clark had 13 sacks in the regular season last year. You know who else had 13 sacks in the regular season last year? The Oakland Raiders is a football team. So, yeah. you know... I definitely think you have to try to pursue. It just comes down to, you know, the cost. And you're not going to give them Khalil Mack money. Uh, I think a realistic range is, uh, you know, around $17 million a year if we're being mm-hmm, realistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's doable. I think it's doable. And, you know, you'd say, oh, is that a little tight with what we have left now? Well, Frank Clark would probably command like a four-plus-year deal, I'd assume. And, you know, with the Nevada taxes coming up, they could totally work it to where this year isn't too much of a hit to where they'd still have some room to work with. And then I'm sure Frank Clark and his agent would be interested in some of those bonuses hitting when they're in Nevada. So um, that wouldn't be, you know, what they have left in cap room wouldn't hinder them making that move. And then, you know, you look at when you're what are you willing to give up for him? I think a couple fair scenarios would be offering the 35th pick in the draft yeah. for him. Yeah. Then you're or a first rounder. If Seattle, yeah, or if Seattle is hell-bent on getting a first rounder, you, you, you work with them a little bit. You offer them 27, but you ask for 84 in return. So you okay. essentially send 27, you, you get Frank Clark and the 84th pick. I think that's fair. Um, basically what I did in that situation was I utilized the chart and that basically comes out to around the same value as just giving up number 35 overall. So, but if they Seattle just wanted that first round pick so bad that we could make it work and get a little something in return to where we're still kind of sitting in the same position as far as what are, we're, we're giving up draft capital wise. Um, you know, do I think it's going to happen though? I don't. I just don't Damn. think it is. Uh, I, I'm not saying Frank Clark won't get traded. I would just be pleasantly surprised, but still surprised if he's a Raider uh, anytime soon or ever. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I agree with your trade scenarios. I'm not going to argue that whatsoever. Um, Value-wise, I would like that. We have the draft capital to do it if we felt the need to do it. Um, and, and I like how you brought up the contract in the 17 mil range because guess what? That's pretty much what D Ford got also. And I think that he's going to command pretty much virtually the same contract as well. Somewhere in the, you know, five-year, $85 million range. Somewhere around there. And... You know, to give up a pick, I mean, of course, you got to pay the player, but the value there is because you know what you're getting. You're getting a sack artist that is very talented. Um, so, to me, it's worth it. Obviously, uh, we could have used a Khalil Mack last year. He's not necessarily a Khalil Mack, um, but I'd give him 75% of what he is, and I would take a 75% Khalil Mack all day, any day, for a little bit cheaper. So, let's do it. 75% of Khalil Mack for 75% of the cost. The value's there. Let's do it, man. I'm all on board. I like how you broke that down like that. And that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, as far as rushing the passer, Frank Clark is, he's really good, man. I mean, and he's a perfect fit uh, for for Gunther's system. Uh, You know, he'd be the 4-3 end with his hand in the dirt, coming off the edge, rushing the passer, and, uh, you know, putting pressure from the exterior. That's exactly what we need. He's good against the run. He's not great like Khalil Mack. He's not the all-around great player, but that's why Khalil Mack got $23 million a year, you know. Um, you know, Frank Clark isn't in the Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald type of tier, but he's definitely in that second tier of really good players that have uh, Pro Bowl potential written all over them year in and year out. Yeah, agreed. So we'll end this Frank Clark conversation with, do we think it happens? No. If it does, are we on board? Yes. Yes. And Chris, we're bringing back our calls. And last week, you remember, I was pretty disappointed that our only caller was a Steelers fan. But uh, just as expected, Raider Nation stepped up. We got a ton of phone calls, man. We got a few new ones that we haven't heard from either. Um, and we got a lot of them. So let's go ahead and jump into them and see what these guys have to say. train i just listened to your uh podcast heard you guys talking about how you had like one call in and it was a steelers fan Boo. i just want to say i give that steelers fan some respect props because compared to a lot of the steelers fans i'd be coming across on twitter like that you know that could went a whole nother way so props dog you're right secondly you're not a Steelers fan if you're listening to the Raider Cody podcast. <laughs> Just saying. Come to the dark side. That is true. As far as AB goes, man, can't really hate on the Steelers fans for being salty. True. So I'm still salty at Amari Cooper about going to Dallas. I just blasted that fool yesterday on Twitter. You know what I mean? I'm still blasting <laughs> fucking drop videos and videos of him quitting on plays. He gave up before the shit. Before the Miami game, you know what I mean? That Miami yeah. game, he was like, zero effort, drop balls. He quit on that big route, that huge play. He just, boom, just stopped. You know what I mean? Like, A.B. didn't do that. A.B. tried the whole time he was in Pittsburgh, and Roethlisberger shut him down. Yeah. He didn't shut himself down like Amari Cooper, so it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother beast. You know what I mean? Like, we got somebody who's still hungry. Yeah. Where Amari Cooper, being quiet and shy, got all butthurt and just just quit. You know what I mean? Where A.B., voicing his opinion and whatnot, 
Uh, he didn't quit. He didn't give him the ball. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a whole nother level, man. And I love the fact we got AB. I'm stoked. Uh, Tyrell, uh, I called that shit. You remember that? Yeah. Got Tyrell, J.J. Nelson, Ryan Grant. Pick up a tight end in the draft, possibly. You know what I mean? Luke Wilson. I mean, who knows what we do with running back? Josh Jacobs. Hint, <laughs> hint. Uh, shit, I don't know, man, but I'm pretty excited for this year. And, uh, I give that to <laughs> Hey, Trey, man, you hit our, you hit our call limit, dude. You hit our call. You can't talk that long. It doesn't let you talk that long, bro. I see you call back. <laughs> 20, we, we, we got 20 more seconds here of you. Hold on one second. Yeah, it's me again. <laughs> I got cut off. But anyway, Juju, he's not an AB. You know what I mean? Juju's yeah. like an Amari Cooper. Yeah. So, y'all, good luck with that. Anyway, go Raiders and uh, stay up. Yeah. Hey, Train, that's what's up, dude. Remember the last time he called, you did, uh, when he was talking about wide receivers, I think we asked the question what you thought about acquiring AB. You weren't quite sure about it, but you did like the idea of maybe bringing in a Tyrell Williams. So that's some good stuff, man. Uh, dropped, a, dropped a hot take on the voicemail, and it turned out to be true, man. And yeah, Chris, I recognize this next phone number. It's our buddy, Stoney. Let's see what he has to say. Yeah, Stoney, man, my guy. What's up, Raider Cody? It's Stoney. Uh, how you doing, Cody? How you doing, Chris? We're good, man. What's going on? What's up, Kenny? I just wanted to give a special shout-out to all of Raider Nation for helping my family out while we were getting bombarded due to the uh, Antonio Brown jersey my kid was wearing. Dude. Huge support. My wife was going batshit crazy. <laughs> I bet. Helped us out a lot. I was getting angry, too. I can't even lie. Yeah. Some of the comments were uncalled for. But uh, you guys held it down. So thank you, Raider Nation. As far as first-round draft pick, I want to see uh, Greedy Williams. I really want to see it. Okay. I think there's a lot of depth of defensive line, and I think we can uh, grab Greedy. Agreed. Anyway, you guys know I love the show. Until I call, call again. Peace. Yeah, Stoney, that's what's up, dude. Um, I, I like your player that you're looking at, Greedy Williams. I know you've been high on him for a while, and I do agree there's a lot of defensive line depth all across the draft or where our picks are, so we could definitely capitalize on solidifying another corner. Um, but, yeah, Raider Nation, shout out to you guys for backing him up. If you guys follow us on Twitter, you might have saw where we shared his son. Uh, he has a 7-year-old boy. His wife posted a picture of him in his new Antonio Brown jersey, and the kid was absolutely amped. Antonio Brown retweeted it, and all these Steelers fans jumped in the mentions and went absolutely nuts. They did not. I mean, they didn't hold back. I mean, it was a picture of a seven-year-old kid on the mom's post, not saying a thing, but because this juju drama, which people are completely blowing up, it does not give them the right to say some of the things that they said to this kid. It is un freaking believable man yeah i'm with you uh we did address that on a previous podcast but uh i'll just say you know stoney's kid looked so cute man super excited wearing his ab jersey young little raider fan uh props to him dude and uh you know what what nice parents to get him a, a brand new antonio brown jersey so you know yeah. people online man they they act real ridiculous and real tough with their keyboards but uh <laughs> you know it's at the end of the day dude i mean 
they got to sleep on their own pillow at night, dude. And as sad as that is, that's just reality, bro. Yep. Hey, Chris, and we got some new phone numbers here. I don't recognize any of the rest of these callers. Uh, well, so let's, let's find uh, out who they are, bro. Let's find out. Aha. Here we go. Treading some uh, some rough waters out here. Let's see what's going on. Raider Cody, this is Great Plains Raider. I'm surprised to hear that your only call last pod was a Steeler fan. I'm surprised because the Raider Nation is the best fans there are and they're great at supporting their podcast yeah but i'm more surprised because there's a Steeler fan that's actually capable of operating a phone <laughs> i know they could operate a towel which comes in nice and handy for drying up their tears yeah. when they lose the coliseum i love it but i'm surprised to learn that they know how to use a phone <laughs> great plane raider out yeah great plane raider coming in hot I love the take, man. I am surprised. You know what, though? They do know how to operate the towels, but they seem to forget how to operate them last year walking out of the stadium. Chris, did you notice that? I think they just completely forgot how to wave those things. I wonder why. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it certainly seemed like uh, after Derek hit Seth for that bomb down the middle Uh of the field to set us up for the game-winning touchdown, didn't seem like the crowd had those yellow, terrible towels <laughs> swirling around as much. I don't know what happened, but... Arm must have got tired you know, or something. Hey, that's what happens when you go up to Oakland and you catch an L in front of the ah. nation. <laughs> Let's get this next new caller. What's up, Cody and Chris? First time caller all the way from LA. Whittier Pico Rivera. What's up? Our Twitter handle is RaidersFan0452. Love the show. Thank you. You guys are killing it. Thank, Thank you for you. all the content and all your work. My question is, what are your thoughts on Brian Burns and his ability to stop the run? Ooh. I've seen mocks where he's mocked to us at four recently. Do you think he's worthy of that top pick? And if not, where do you feel comfortable picking him via trade back? Thanks again, guys. Ooh, well, we just covered Burns a little bit. Sure uh, did. Yeah. In our previous I mean, call. You want to you wanna take this, Cody, or you want me to hit it? Um, well, I'll give you maybe a quick rundown of his first question was his ability to stop the run. Yes, that is a big question, and also his uh, consistency to stop the run because I think, for the most part, he has to, same as Arden Key, he has to really rely on his athleticism. Um, He doesn't quite have that size to get up there and stuff the run and maybe move the runner. He's got to be able to use that athleticism to make a play. Um, Not saying he can't do it, uh, but the odds aren't, I don't think, in his favor You know, by his build and play style. Um, But being mocked at four, Chris, um, it's kind of a – all-around decision for for both of us that Brian Burns wouldn't necessarily be a bad pick at four, um, but it's definitely not a wow pick or a guy that we're looking for at number four. So, yeah, he would be a need pick. You know, I'll say this yeah. about Brian Burns: I feel like Brian Burns. When you look at Arden Key last year, he's Arden Key without the red flags and a little bit less raw of a prospect so he's a little bit more of a complete Arden key with no red flags and a hair bigger you know you look at yeah he's a hair bigger too I'd say maybe a hair stronger obviously you know we talked about Arden key this offseason some people have said he's gotten bigger and stronger others have actually said he's lost weight I don't know but um Brian Burns to me is a perfect candidate in a trade back situation for the Raiders yeah at four though i Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't walk away feeling like they got the best value at number four, but I do like him a lot. Yeah, agreed. Let's take this next call, Chris. 
Raider Cody podcast. Name's Ian. Short-term listener. I've been listening for about two months. But my question is, what is your ideal Raider draft scenario? I want it to be a little realistic, you know, so no, like, Nick Bosa going at 24. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Thanks for uh, answering. I look forward to hearing the answer. Go Raiders. Okay. Okay. What's up, Ian? I like it. Appreciate you calling in first time. All these all these new callers, appreciate it. Um, ideal draft scenario, of course, we broke it down a lot, but let's give maybe a quick rundown, maybe a, a quick off-the-top-of-the-head yeah. mock of what would be realistic. Realistic, yeah, best realistic three, right? I'm going to go Ed Oliver, Hollywood Brown. I want to say who – I don't want to say a player, but I want to say – maybe the best offensive guard available. Um, I'm looking at a guy like a Chase Winovich somewhere in that range, uh, realistically. Um, Solid value. There could even be a linebacker like Mac Wilson that's in that range that we go after. It's hard to say because our linebacker room's loaded now. Um, but realistically, I think basically the number four pick is going to be one of the two, Quinnen Williams or Ed Oliver, or it's a trade back. That's my ideal. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm going to say in a realistic scenario that I would like, I think at four they take home either Quinn or Ed Oliver. At 24, I'll say Noah Fant. Okay. At 27, you know, late first round, maybe they go with a interior offensive lineman like a like a Dalton Risner. They could also get him at 35. I mocked him at 35 in our, our draft, but... I'll go with that uh, at 27, 35, uh, you know, maybe a safety, a DB, you know, to okay. to kind of solidify that back end. You know, maybe a guy like Adderley or Savage. There's a lot uh, of second round safeties. Probably, Savage has pretty much the coolest name, man. But, uh, yeah, draft him for the you know, name. Or maybe they, maybe they go corner and maybe, you know, Byron Murphy or Greedy Williams are off the board. But maybe there's a corner there like, a, you know, Vic Tafer's talked about a Rocky Sin, so maybe he's there. I'll kind of stay along those lines, man. Okay. Yeah. There's uh there's to me too many realistic options because there's I'd say a dozen guys between 24 and 35 that I like a lot and I would not mind us drafting them whatsoever. Just like how we both kind of mentioned interior offensive linemen. I have like three or four maybe on the top of my head that I'd be okay with us taking. Uh, not really blinking. Dude. Eye. I completely agree with you, Cody. And you know what? If there's one position that I'm absolutely sure that they're going to solidify in the top 35, I'm going to go interior offensive line. I think they're going to take care of the guard position and they're going to draft a starter. I really believe that. And, you know, you, you know, we can look back at this and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they don't. And we're going to be like, yeah, Chris, totally wrong. No offensive line in the top 35, (laughs) but I think they're going to get a guard or an, an offensive lineman to solidify that interior opposite Gabe Jackson. Uh, in the top 35 that's my prediction i think that's a good uh that that's a probably pretty good prediction given we're probably just going to draft all offensive players so i say we go wide receiver tight end offensive guard another wide receiver boom that's how we open up this draft (laughs) that's what gruden will want gruden's like look mayock i'm gonna go i'm gonna need dk metcalf i'm gonna need hollywood brown i'm gonna need noah fant and then i'm gonna need miles sanders (laughs) (laughs) the first four picks Gruden, calm down. <laughs> That's where we talked about uh, Mayock about grabbing him by the we neck. Don't have the ball. <laughs> we have to but it wouldn't shock me if they were aggressive and went up and got Nick Bosa. We've talked Ooh. about that too. So that could be an option. 
you know, I would consider it if I was the Raiders, if the, they could work out a deal. We'll see. I love it. So now we got our final caller here, Chris, and it's a good one. A little bit of a long one, but it's okay. It's a first-time caller. I got, I'm ready to hear what he has to say. What up, gentlemen? Hope this call doesn't be too isn't too long. It's all good. This is Drew K in Colorado. What's up, Drew? Been a Raiders fan since 1983, Super Bowl 18. Watching that Super Bowl with my dad, Ooh. even here in Colorado. Um, he was a Vikings fan, so he didn't discourage me from my Raider fandom, even in Denver. I like you. Now, a couple of points I want to make. First of all, I'm a recent listener of the show. I only discovered the show a couple months ago, but I've been listening, loving what you guys do ever since. You guys get the best guests. Thank you. You guys have the best takes. Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Love you guys. Thank you. Now, a couple points Appreciate I want to make you. as well. I'm happy to see that there's finally some reports out there that the Raiders might actually pass on a quarterback in the first round. Yeah. Been saying this all along. With the chemistry that Carr and A.B. have, be silly to uproot that position before A.B. even plays his first game. I think they're at least going to give Carr this, this season to see how it goes and uh, possibly much longer after that. Now, a couple points on the draft I want to make. I think the Raiders' draft strategy is going to all hinge on whether or not Quinn and Williams is going to be there at four. I think they love him. I think if he's there, they're going to stick and pick him. If not, they're going to trade out of that pick if they can. And I think they're definitely going to trade one of those first-round picks and try to pick up Ooh. more second- and third-round picks either this year or next year. Or okay. Get so it, get Quinn it. is there. I think they're going to pick him, and then they're going to trade out of either 24 or 27 and uh, pick up probably the best DB available with, with whatever picks left. I think if one of those top pass rushers uh, fall to 24, they'll keep that one and then trade out of 27. But uh, if there's a top DB in there like uh, Greedy Williams, Byron Murphy, Taylor Rapp, Jonathan, Jonathan Abram, if one of those guys is there, I think they'll, they'll jump on one of those guys in, that, in those 20s. Okay. If Quinnen is off the board at four, I think that's the pick that they're going to trade down, try and pick up more first, or second, third-round picks. And then they're probably going to keep 24 and 27. I think a tight end at uh, 2024 if one of those top three guys is there they'll go with that same db is there at 27 and then with that first pick that they trade down from i think they're going to pick up their edge rusher there whether it's going to be a sweat burns one of those guys uh ferrell's wells a good good option there in that i don't know like seven to 15 range depending on how far down they trade uh last thing a couple of guys no one's talking about that i think would be good picks for the raiders early in that second round how about chase winovich yeah i think he would be a great second uh, pass rushing pick for the Raiders. Chase Winovich out of pick. Michigan. Dude's a beast. I like him. I think he's going to transition well to pros. And then there's a cornerback out of Penn State. No one's talking about, but I think he played well at the uh, Senior Bowl. I think the Raiders were impressed. I think they're going to look at him. He's got the size. He's smooth. Oh, is that guy? And I can't pronounce his name. I don't know. If people don't talk about him because they can't pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah. Amani. Uh, Amani. Aruwari. Amani, yeah. Out of Penn State. I just Could call him Amani. Pick if the Raiders trade down and get an extra second or third round pick, he might be there too. All right, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Love you. Keep doing what you're doing. Love the life you live. Live the life you love. Oh, there we go. Man. Hey, I like that guy. I like that Sounds guy a lot. Guy. Appreciate your call, man. And I'm Amani whatever his name is. Yeah, uh, I like him. He's my CP4 this year. I think it's Byron Murphy, Greedy Williams, DeAndre Baker, and then Amani, and then Rocky Sin. So I'm with you on that. And then Chase Winovich at 35 would be. The yeah. steal. I, I think uh, that would be a nice pick for the Raiders. Uh, you know, and man, what a good call! I don't know how he, he was. I don't know how he was breathing throughout oh, everything he was saying, but 
He was on one, but I uh, appreciate your call, man. Very good uh, info. That was good stuff, Drew. Came in hot, man. That's uh, pretty good to be able to drop that much information on a – I mean, dude, how many players did he talk about right there? And, yes, you're right. Uh, that is the exact reason I don't talk about that cornerback is because I cannot correctly pronounce his last name. So, uh, Just yeah. call him Amani, dude. Just call oh, him dude, Amani. no, it's, it's, it. <laughs> it's Amani from Penn State. That's uh, pretty much how yeah. I've referenced him this whole time. But it's all good, man. Hey, good call, Drew. I appreciate that. Um, I'd actually like to hear you if you're going to listen to this before um, we record our next show next Saturday night. Uh, try and call in again. I'd like to hear your take on how our draft went. So if you're paying attention, or even the week after, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear from Drew K in Colorado with his dad being a Minnesota Vikings fan, just like you, Chris. Yeah, man. Uh, I was actually thinking throughout that, that I was talking to my dad uh, earlier today about possibly going to the Raider minnesota game in minnesota Ooh. uh we went there in 2016 i've told you guys about that you know to see their new stadium so raiders are gonna play up there me and my dad are talking about it so i don't know maybe, maybe if he goes out there with his dad too sees the vikings raiders oh. man we can say what's up oh yeah shout out to drew thanks for wrapping up our phone calls real nicely um and that does it for this week chris uh, we had a lot of drama Man. happen this week. We had the schedule come out. We broke down the schedule. Um, not exactly the best thing, but hey, we're Raiders fans. Let us complain. It's what we do best. Um, and then we had a little bit of war room drama that I believe was inflated more than it should have been, but it's something yeah. to talk about. and It's something I think that sparks a little bit of excitement for me, so I'm cool with it. Um, and of course, wrapping up these calls, if you guys want to get involved and get in on these calls and drop your opinion or drop a question or topic, don't miss out, man. Call into our hotline. That's 808-650-7220. And again, unfortunately, we won't be doing real talk this week because of all the content that we're squeezing into this draft episode, but don't worry. The King will be coming in hot soon. He's probably going to even pop in during our live stream at some point. I think we're doing uh, two live streams this coming week. So if you're paying attention, if you don't have a Twitter, you don't have to have a Twitter. Download the Periscope app. Follow us at Raider Cody Podcast. I think it's at Raider Cody Pod, just like our Twitter handle. Get on there. Make sure you subscribe to us or follow us. Turn on the notifications. And the whole entire Thursday, we're going to be live streaming during the draft. And we're doing an Antonio Brown jersey giveaway. So I would suggest not only just getting on that Periscope, but create yourself a Twitter just for the chance to win a contest. And tune in, man. Hang out with Raider fans. Get to know us. Uh, and, and if not, hey, maybe we give away a second jersey. Maybe I give away uh, Chris's jersey that he has coming in too. So yeah, that to- <laughs> seems to be what everyone's pushing for. And Cody, are you suggesting people make burner accounts? Is that what you're pushing yeah. at right now? Make right. as many burner accounts wow. as possible to enter yourself. But I will say... Um, White Tiger does not approve that burner message. <laughs> but I will say, I will say I'm, I'm going to be checking all the intangibles. So if I if I click on uh, on Ian1264Z7, I'm, I'm most likely <laughs> yeah. not going to pick up the guy with the, with the blank Avi and no followers. I'm probably not going to... Oh, I'm just going to... Yeah. I'm Gosh, gonna jump to the so guy right. below him. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like Nathan Cali one two four four seven five three. Yeah, you know that's a burner when that happens. And Nathan Cali, if that you are real, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, but hey, good episode. By the time you guys listen to this, hopefully it happened before the draft. 
So uh, if you didn't, you better pick up the pace, man. You better not be listening to our shows too late. You got to keep them fresh. Uh, you got to keep them relevant. Um, but like I said, Chris, it was a good show. Make sure you guys get involved. If you're hearing us for the first time, make sure you visit our website, RaiderCody.com. Any questions you have on where to find us are on there. Follow us on social media. We're on all platforms. Listen to us on all platforms as well. But until next week, Raider Nation, let's go Raiders. Let's get this draft going. And man, let's come out on top, man. We're back, baby. We're reloaded. We're ready for some young guns to come in and take this team over the top. Chris, until next week, man. Later, Nation.